So this week I, I met with uh, one of our one of our moms. I said it's Mother's Day, and she said, "I know." She said, "My my family's taking me out to eat on Sunday," and so she said, "So Adam, keep it short." <laughs> I said, "I'll I'll do my best." We've been in a teaching series out of uh, out of First Peter, and and really today I only have four verses. It's in, a, it's in a chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. But, but I, oh yeah, sorry, I got to dismiss kids. See, I'm trying to keep it short. Just doing what I'm told. Man, praise God, look at all these awesome kids marching out of here. Also today, uh, uh, if you notice more women in, in our worship time together, it's because Lauren tried to staff our entire children's ministry with men. So uh, that's where all our dads are right now, hopefully, prayerfully. So maybe we need extra prayer for our children's ministry. Uh, in First Peter, we're just going to look at four verses today, uh, uh, verses 22 through 25. And, and I want to start kind of at the end and, and come back to verse 22. So uh, verses 23 through 25, we'll put it on the screen. Peter says this. He says, for you've been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, and he quotes Isaiah, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And the word is the good news that was preached to you. This is a theme uh, that, that runs all through the New Testament. Uh, Peter is constantly calling uh, his audience, his listeners, constantly calling us from a, an old way of living, an empty way of living, into a new way of living. He's, he's comparing and contrasting two kinds of life. C.S. Lewis describes these two, two, two types of life, two kinds of life, by, by using two uh, Greek words. One word is the word bios, and the other word is zoe. So let me try to explain. Uh, your bios life is uh, your, your biology. Your bios life is your cells, your organs, your, your tissues, your, your bones, your muscles, but there's something you need to know about your bios, and maybe you already know this, but everything with a bios is temporary. Everything with a bios has its season. How many of you don't necessarily appreciate being reminded that you have a bios? Beings with a bios recognize that over time, they are changing. Beings with a bios, their their skin changes. That's why you need facials. I don't know. Your hair changes. Your body changes. In 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 a bios life, like like things eventually no longer work like they used to. Any of you experienced some of this? Everything with a bios is temporary. And Peter quotes Isaiah, this this great verse about, he says, the grass withers and the flowers fade. And and what he says, what he means is is the bios deteriorates over time. And and don't take this to mean that, that temporary is somehow unimportant because that's not the case. 
He simply says your bios has a season, it's, and it can be good in its season, and it can be beautiful in its season, but don't get lost in the season because your season of bios is temporary. The Bible talks about our, our bios life as a breath. Do that. Make that sound. Peter says that's all you get. The Bible says if bios is all there is, that's all you get. Any of you felt that way? Some of our seniors said that this morning already. Some of our seniors said, they, they said, man, it went by like, have you had that experience? So a bios life is a temporary kind of life. But there is another kind of life that Peter talks about. He says, you can be born again by the living word of God. The word is good, and the word is the good news, which is Jesus. And this, this new life is an eternal, not temporary, different from bios. This zoe life is an eternal life, entirely different from bios. It's not temporary. A zoe life doesn't, doesn't fade or wear out and is immune to the effects of time. It made me think of those, um, uh, have, you, have you guys ever been in like a, uh, a downtown area and seen some of those uh, living statues? You know what I'm talking about? I think, I think I have a picture of it. Have you seen these people? They're disturbed. They, they scare me. So if you haven't witnessed this, it's gonna, it, they're going to startle you at some point. So that, that thing that looks like a statue is a person made to look like a statue, and they go into parks and city centers, and they stand like perfectly still like a statue until you come too close, and then they move or startle you or, or, or jump out at you, right? Uh, have, you, have you seen some of this? You know what I'm talking about? C.S. Lewis says that's, that's, that's kind of the difference between Zoe life and Bios life. He, he talks about us as being these statues that have yet to come to life. He even, uh, here's a quote from Mere Christianity. He says, a man who has changed from a bios to having zoe would have gone through as big a change as a statue which changed from being carved stone to being a real man. He says, and that is precisely what Christianity is about. This world is a great sculptor shop, and we are the statues, and there's a rumor going around the shop that some of us are someday going to come to life. And Peter says, this is the good news of the eternal living word of God, Jesus. He says, your bios is not all she wrote. There was a promise of something more. And some of us someday are going to escape our bios and come to life. So now let's go to the first verse. First Peter chapter one, verse 22, the verse that immediately precedes this, this, this kind of dichotomy between eternal and temporary and what kind of life are you in? And you're somewhere in the middle, right in front of that verse. Verse 22, 
He says, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere, what's that word? Love to each other as brothers and sisters. He says, love each other deeply with all your heart. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. The, the first time he says love, and you can just leave that verse up there for a second. He says, so now you must, sh- so now you must show sincere, what he, the word is Philadelphia. Any of you have been to Philadelphia? Philadelphia is the city of, yeah, well, it's not really, but that's the name. It's not really. Um, yeah, that's what he says. He says, you love each other like brothers and sisters. You have this brotherly love. But then in the very next sentence, he says, but I want you to agape each other deeply. He changes it to this, this deeper kind of heavenly godly, directional, purposeful kind of love. So much could be said about love and and far more than I have time for because mom's got to (laughs) eat. Amen, amen. So for today and and for Peter's context, it's fair to say, just just, take one stab at this, that he's not speaking of those, uh, or he's not speaking of loving those who will love us in return, right? He speaks of and challenges his listeners to a more powerful love. Maybe some of you have uh, heard of the author uh, uh, and speaker. His name is Bob Goff. Do you guys know Bob Goff? Go ahead and show that next slide. Uh, Bob Goff, uh, uh, a few years ago, wrote a book called Love Does, and it's just this idea of, of kind of loving everyone all the time, and, and Bob Goff is this really crazy, nutty kind of, kind of guy. Like, to give you an example, he put his cell phone number in the back of his book and said, hey, call me. It's still there. You can still call him. Through some, uh, in Love Does, he, he shares some of his adventures with loving people and how he does this and kind of sees this as the core center of, of what it means to be a Christian. And, and through a series of adventures, uh, Bob Goff, who is a lawyer, actually became the consul, the, the attorney for the country of Uganda. He even says, I got the little flags for my car. You know, like he lives in, in Canada and the States, but, but he is the consul for the country of Uganda in Africa. And this began because he, he was working with children's homes and, and these different areas. And, and in Love Does, his first book, he talks a lot about uh, uh, in, in the kind of the dark uh, places of Uganda, they still have witch doctors. I, I know that's, that's kind of hard for us to imagine, but, but village mystics who, who practice these, these kind of uh, mystical arts. And in, in his first book, Love Doves, he, he talks about these witch doctors and, and how horrible they are because one of the things, one of the practices of the witch doctor is to kidnap small or young boys. And this was kind of happening in, in all over the, these dark places of Uganda, that small boys were going and, and, and disappearing. And the truth is that the witch doctors were uh, sacrificing the, the boys in some cases, in some cases, uh, removing appendages from the small boys. I'm not going to go further than that. To perform these, these mystical arts. 
And so Bob Goff, who is working with children and become the council of Uganda, is setting up himself. He's establishing himself against this practice and, and against these witch doctors. I recently uh, uh, heard Bob Goff uh, speak, and he says he's been going back to Uganda a lot and, and been traveling, and they, they've, they've tried a bunch of cases against these witch doctors when somebody really challenged him with the whole idea of love, but, but to not just love those who love in return, but he said, I was really challenged to love my enemies. And Bob Goff said, well, I, I knew who my enemies were. My enemies are the witch doctors. But I'm, I'm supposed to love these witch doctors who are doing these horrible, cruel, atrocious things. And he said, if you look at scripture, the answer is like, yeah. And he said, well, I, I didn't know how to approach that. I didn't know how to, go, how to go about that. So they actually, as a country, invited all of the witch doctors to this like meeting, conference thing. And, and believe it or not, they came. They began to meet with witch doctors and this is his term, not my, not my term. He, they began to meet with these witch doctors who had done these horrible things. And, and they told him a couple of things. One, they said, number one, we, we've outlawed this practice of, of harming children, of kidnapping children. If you do it, we're going to put you in jail, maybe even the death penalty. We want, we want you to know that's coming. But then Bob, was, he said, I was challenged in this moment to actually love my enemies, these, these men who I hated, and so he said, in a moment, he said, I just asked them, I said, so what do you, witch doctors, what do you need? What does a witch doctor need? I don't know. Um, and the witch doctor said, well, we want to learn how to read and write. So Bob Goff, who has started orphanages and schools and children's home, began a school for witch doctors in Uganda. These witch doctors are coming. They're learning to read and write. He said they've actually just had their second graduation of witch doctors from school. And he said as each witch doctor walks across the stage, they said we, we go all out. They do the cap and the gown and the whole graduation thing. We celebrate them and their achievement. And as they march across the stage, Bob says, I, I make a point of hugging and kissing each and every one. He says, sometimes, don't make me kill you. It wasn't long ago that Bob, uh, he, he got the report that another child had gone missing. There was a new witch doctor in the area. He hadn't been through the school, and a child had gone missing. And they were gearing up to do the search and all the planning and all that kind of stuff. And two of the students who had recently graduated from witch doctor school texted Bob, because he gives his number out to everyone, texted him and said, hey, we, we know, we know this, this witch doctor who did it. We know the person who's done this, and we know, we know where this child is. We're, we're going to go find him. And there was anxious hours of waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, Bob gets a text message from these two witch doctors. And the witch doctors say, we found the boy We've returned him to his family safely. And then they texted two words. Love does. Bob has uh, just released a new book. Uh, I'll show you the cover. 
Uh, some people uh, have, uh, you know, publisher was always on Bob Goff to, okay, when are we going to get this book? And when are you going to meet with the artist to do the cover for your book? And when are you going to, you know, how, how are we going to do the artwork for the book? And Bob said, I got it covered, I got it covered, I got it covered. You don't have to worry about it. And so if you look at the cover of this book, uh, of his newest book, you'll see what look like, maybe, maybe look like flower petals, but they're not. Those are actually the fingerprints of the witch doctors in his school. And he said, what I have learned in this great mission of love is to love, two words, title of his book, everybody, always. So are you the sum of what you believe or are you the sum of what you practice? I don't think a, a mechanic is a mechanic just because of what he believes about cars. I don't think a doctor is a doctor just because of what they believe about medicine. It's not their belief that makes them who they are. It is the practice. Now get this. The true measure of your Christianity is not the measure of your belief, but the measure of your love. Jesus even said these words himself in John chapter 13. He said, now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And then don't miss this part. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. In just a minute, I'm going to dismiss you to a time of communion. And we have the table set up around the room. I encourage you, as you, as you take the elements of Christ's sacrifice, as you take the elements of his death, his burial, and his resurrection, to consider the love that he has for you. I think in this section in 1 Peter if you come all the way back around, he says, all you get is this. He says, in, in this temporary, finite, bios moment, this is, this is all you have. And in that space, love. And when we love we move from bios to zoe. Especially when we love those who are difficult. Some of you are thinking right now, well, you don't know my mother-in-law. Some of you are thinking, you, you don't know my neighbor. Maybe God has put that neighbor there to challenge and help you grow your love. Have you thought about it that way? How much time have you spent loving those who only love you in return? That's not who we are. They'll recognize us by our love for others. And when we love, we move from bios to zoe, and the statues come to life. So my challenge to you this week is to put love to the test. Who do you hate? Who is your enemy? Those are the ones I want you to love. Like I said, the neighbor that tests your patience, they're going to test your love 
Maybe you ask yourself the question, what are the things separating you from loving people? Could you right now in this moment today, could you let those things go? I believe with the power of the Holy Spirit you could and you can. I want to free you and unleash you to love because Jesus loved you first. God made a choice to love you when you were unlovable. And the evidence of his love is the blood of Jesus Christ, his own son. So may you move and breathe and be seen this week as the love of God. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the challenge of Peter talking to, to a group of Christians who are trying to figure out how to be a Christian in a non-Christian world. And, and the challenge was in this moment, in this space, take every advantage to love. Take every opportunity to love. Fill the compulsion to love in radical, different, challenging ways. Father God, let us embrace that challenge and, uh, and let us live and breathe love out, not just those who love us in return, but, but specifically our enemies and those who hate us. And Father God, let us be recognized. Let us be recognized by our love. Father God, this is only possible. I'm not, I'm not capable of loving like this on my own. It's only possible because I have known and experienced in the deep places of my own heart the love of God, the love of your son, Jesus Christ, sacrificed for us. And so, Father God, as we enter in these tables, let us do that with, with heavy contemplation and intention and hearts. Bless our time of communion together. We love you, Father. And in your son, Jesus' name, everyone together says,